Hi, I'm Adam Walker, the host of Real Pink, a podcast from Susan G. Komen. Over the last year, I've had the opportunity to meet so many people affected by breast cancer. I've interviewed thought leaders, celebrities, doctors, and men and women living with breast cancer. Their stories are so inspiring and really informative. We're taking conversations from the doctor's office to the living room. Please join us by looking up Susan G. Komen's Real Pink on your podcast app and subscribe today. You know, I remember back in the radio days a hundred years ago that as soon as the National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs were done and the NBA finals were done, you were basically in that no man's land of, of things to talk about pretty much until the opening of National Football League training camps. And as we sit here and welcome you to the 357th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, NFL off-season programs are now complete. Every team's had their OTAs, they've had their mandatory, or uh, some are optional mini camps or whatever, but the off-season programs in the National Football League are now completed. And depending on when you play, now the teams that play in the uh, Hall of Fame game always start their training camps one week earlier than everybody else. I don't even know who's in the damn game this year for the for the Hall of Fame game. It doesn't really matter. What I'm getting at is that in five or six weeks, NFL training camps will be open, and I am really looking forward to it. Um, I think a lot of sports fans in general are looking forward to the National Football League, especially, again, as I mentioned, hockey is now done. Basketball is now done. Unless you're into women, uh, and that's fine, women watching or women playing soccer, I'm not into the Women's World Cup. Um, we've only got one major championship left in professional golf. That's the British Open at in uh, Northern Ireland in middle of July. Um, so Chris and I have this unbelievable ability and seemingly has, as this will be, I think, our second or third summer together, that we always find something to talk about, and we will continue to do so. But uh, things do get a little bit harder to find because – if you're not a, and like me, if you're not a soccer fan or you're not a water polo fan or things that are going on in the summer, I guess what I'm getting at is that outside of baseball, the big four aren't really going. And nobody seemingly has given a damn about baseball for years. So um, I want to start with talking about the National Football League. And we've got other things to talk about. Um, I want Chris to talk about the boxer Tyson Fury, who's got the greatest name in as a boxer you could possibly have. You couldn't have dreamt this stuff up better than to have a big guy named Tyson Fury be a championship boxer. But he is. He won over the weekend and then started singing in the ring when it was over. So the guy's multi-talented. He becomes a fan of mine right off. And I'm going to have Chris talk about what he did over the weekend. Um, but I want to start in the National Football League because... We haven't been together in a while. It's still the thing that we like to talk about the best. A lot of changes in the National Football League this year from rules changes. Obviously, every year there's personnel changes. There's coaching changes, especially with the team that affects me the most, the Green Bay Packers with their new coach, 
Matt LaFleur, who fortunately, I guess, in some way, shape, or form, if you're going to sustain an injury to an integral part of your team during the off-season program, it's better it's the coach than a player. Matt LaFleur blew out his Achilles playing basketball in Lambeau Field a couple of weeks ago. That, Thankfully for Packers fans like me, that was the only big off-season injury so far. But I, you know, I just want to talk about what, who kind of has won the off season, who has dropped the ball in the off season, who are you looking forward to make a big leap in this upcoming National Football League season? Who's going to take that ultimate big drop? Who's going to suck the big one in 2019? Can you get excited if you're a New York Jets fan? Can you get excited with all the moves that they've made? And generally speaking, in the circles of information in the National Football League, a lot of people will tell you that the Jets have had a great offseason with what they've brought in to augment to their team. I mean, you bring in Le'Veon Bell, you've got Sam Darnold for a second season. But I have problems getting excited about the New York Jets because they hired a coach that won, what, five games last year in Miami, and he's supposed to be your savior in the same division? And the guy isn't even on the job a couple of months, and they fire the guy that brought him in, the general manager. And then Adam Gaze basically gets to pick who his general manager is going to be. That's dysfunction on the top from the Johnson family going down in New York. So can you really have any good feelings moving forward about the New York Jets? I think if you're the New England Patriots, things are looking pretty damn good that you're going to win another division championship this year in the AFC East. I don't think anybody has improved that much in that division to really challenge the New England Patriots. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's really nice when you're the New England Patriots and you start the season out 6-0. How do I get that? Because they play the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills six times a year. And whether Tom Brady plays or not, they seemingly do very well in their division every year. They always seem to have a slip-up in South Florida for some reason. but they potentially every year start the season off 6-0 and because of the shitty division that they play in. A team that I think is really going to have a trouble in 2019 into 2020 will be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I really believe that, folks. I really, truly believe this. The Steelers have faced some off-season off turmoil that they haven't had to deal with, I don't think, ever. I really don't. The wide receivers were mad at Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger was pissed off at the wide receivers. The Steeler defense is anything but steel curtain-like these days, guys. The Steelers' offense is their strength, and they have to outscore teams. That was never the way things were in Pittsburgh when I was a kid. And conversely, in that same division, right now, and Chris is a betting man and a very good betting man, who doesn't waste money. But if you're sitting there with Chris's credentials and you go up to the to the guy at the sports book in Vegas and you have one thing to do, and that's put money on a team from the AFC North, who are you going to put it on right now? I'm putting it on the Cleveland Browns. And I I can't believe that that just came out of my mouth. But think about it. As long as they can keep truck stop Jimmy in one of his truck stops and leave the football stuff to John Dorsey and to Freddie Kitchens and with the personnel moves that they've made, my God, folks, Cleveland is could be a real player this year. You know, a lot of it depends, obviously, on Baker Mayfield. Obviously. 
But my God, how many teams would love to have a defensive front four that the Cleveland Browns have put together? And some of the offensive weapons that the Cleveland Browns have put together. How many teams would like to have wide receivers, regardless of what schmucks they are in the offseason and what they do in the, in, the, in the locker room and whatever, Odell Beckham Jr. and Landry, Jarvis Landry, former LSU teammates, are a pretty damn good receiving set if they can play up to their potential. Those are some of the things that I'm looking for as I bring in the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Fluke, with some of his thoughts as we have now completed the offseason program in the NFL and we're now five or six weeks away from the start of the 2019 NFL season. Well, the Cleveland Browns are certainly the darlings of the public when it comes to betting on somebody to do really well, which is remarkable, to go from the least cool team to the coolest team in a year or two. So good for John Dorsey for doing that, if nothing else. So I guess we'll find out how they do. But uh, they're not going to get a lot of competition, too. It's really just coming in. Just It's like a perfect storm for them. I mean, Cincy and Baltimore aren't going to do shit this year, as far as I'm concerned. And Pittsburgh, I think, will be... A lot of people are, it's kind of the cool thing to say that Pittsburgh's going to be terrible. I think they'll still be a really good team, maybe not as good as before, but it's certainly going to be Pittsburgh or Cleveland winning that division. I can't imagine it being anybody else because it's going to be really fun for me to watch every defense be ready for Lamar Jackson. That's, <laughs> that's, that's going to be so much fun. Again, like I keep saying, they, they played nothing but terrible defenses with Lamar Jackson yeah. and only the Chargers were a decent defense the first time and they got to play him a second time. And the second time they really showed him how the NFL is played. But to answer your original question about which teams uh, are uh, looking good through improvements in the offseason, a couple that I want to mention. Number one from the AFC East is the Buffalo Bills. A spectacular draft, and they just re-signed Jerry Hughes to a two-year, $23 million deal a few days ago. So I think that uh, that, uh, and of course, you're going to have Josh Allen with another year under his belt. And I think they're going to be, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Patriots or anything. No, I know you're not. But uh, in terms of just improvement from bottom of the league to decent, they, they're looking pretty good. It's, I think it's fair to say that Buffalo has a chance to secure a wild card position. Yeah, yeah I they think do. they have a chance. Yeah. The two things that I worry about there is that they're still young. And the Peculias still own them. Yeah, that's a tough one. And they could they could step in there and screw something up. I like Sean McDermott a lot, but I think those two owners, those two idiots, the husband and wife team, are uh, are not good for the National Football League. Yeah, you're right. Well, I totally agree with that, or the National Hockey League, for that matter. That too. Yeah. And the other team that I liked is the uh, New Orleans Saints. Not that they had the greatest draft, but they did sign Jared Cook, who should fit in perfectly there. And they did re-sign Cameron Jordan. Three years, fifty-two point five million on June eleventh or so, and uh, he's so not even a week, and so he's still playing at a really high level as well. So, uh, yeah, Buffalo and New Orleans are just kind of who come to mind. I haven't done my sort of deep oh, no, dive and into I material haven't either, and I'm just you know asking off the top of your head because you're knowledgeable with or without a lot of a lot of study. I think a team in the National Football Conference, the NFC, that's going to be much improved in 2019 will be the San Francisco 49ers. First of all, obviously Garoppolo needs to be healthy. They've made some great acquisitions on the defensive side. Plus, they get Bosa in the draft. Um, they pick up D. Ford from Kansas City. They picked up another linebacker, and I can't remember quite where, right off the top of my head. But San Francisco is going to be a, if they can stay healthy, are going to be a player in the uh, NFC West. Conversely, in that same division, 
as the 49ers ascend to potentially at least challenge the Rams in the West, I think Seattle's going to suck dog shit in 2019. I think they've got Russell Wilson, and that's about it. I really think Seattle's in for a long year. Um, in my division, NFC Central, Chicago is still going to be there, no question about it. They have uh, added some pieces. They lost one piece, I think, in Adrian Amos, and fortunately for me, he went 100 miles north to Green Bay. I think Adrian Amos is going to help our defensive secondary in Green Bay. They replace him with ha-ha Clinton Dix, which ha-ha is a joke, ha-ha. Um, I, I think... Uh, I think Chicago is still going to be there. I think Minnesota is going to be improved. I mean, things can't get any worse for Kirk Cousins after year one in Minneapolis. You can only go up one way, and that is up from where Kirk Cousins went last year. And do you think the Will family is sitting here going, we gave this schmuck $84 million guaranteed, and look what he did last year. We went from the NFC Championship game to not making the playoffs and we spent $84 million on a quarterback to make us take that next step. You know, and <laughs> I know, I painted my house purple this weekend, and uh, I'm not a Vikings fan, but I'm sitting here thinking, going, you know, have the Vikings ever really recovered from the NFC Championship game a couple years ago no. against the Eagles? No, I don't think they have. I really don't. They went into that game thinking that they were going to the Super Bowl, and they get their ass handed to them by 31 points. And I don't think I don't think the Vikings have ever recovered. I really don't. Doesn't bother me any, but I don't think the Vikings have recovered. No, they haven't. And they made a really weird signing the other day. Not that this player is, is bad or anything, but they have been talking about how Kyle Rudolph is too expensive for them yeah. and, and he's gonna go and the Patriots are gonna sign him and all this other stuff. And then they w used one of their top draft picks on a guy named Irv Smith Jr. to be the replacement for Kyle Rudolph. And then you sign Rudolph. And then you wrote four years, 36 million to not even, like like tight ends I know are really cool and everything, but it's not it's yeah. not an essential position really like in that way. Like teams can do really well without a good tight end or without a good receiving tight end at least anyway. So it's it's weird. I, I don't know what they're doing yet. It feels like they're grasping at straws and they're kind of panicking because the... Her cousin's thing didn't work out to be brilliant, and it's just—I don't know what's going on. I don't blame Mike Zimmer, but I do no. blame—I do blame the management for I, sure. There we go. That's yeah. what we we need to start pointing the, the blame in Minnesota. If there is blame to be handed out, you'd have to start with uh, Spielman, the general manager, because some of the decisions he has made had, would make would be would some of the decisions he has made would be would make it difficult to be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, a team that um, I was happy to see. And I know your lovely wife and you and I don't like this team at all. The Houston uh, uh, Texans, they get tampering charges put against <laughs> them because they were going after New England's assistant general manager, whatever the hell his name uh, is. Casario. But those, Casario. There we go. Thank you. Casario. But they have since been dropped because they are, they have dropped their interest supposedly in Casario. But the, Texas are, uh, the Texans are a bit of an enigma to me because I was listening to our first season in your absence. I was out on one of my walks, and I was listening to the first season of Unscripted, and we had made mention uh, that if the Texans could ever get a quarterback, they could be something. Now they have that quarterback, and yet there still seems to be something incomplete in Houston. Whatever happens to them, I don't give a damn. 
What I'm more interested to seeing from the AFC South this year is how good I believe the Indianapolis Colts could be. With another year of a healthy Andrew Luck, unbelievable job by their general manager, Chris Ballard, with off-season signings, even though some of the big names for some reason ignored Indianapolis. I'm telling you, folks, for a lot of guys that are looking for that short, sweet trip to a Super Bowl championship that you never had before, Indianapolis might be your quickest way of getting there. Mm -hmm. There are some really talented players on this team, and I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about the Indianapolis Colts, and that could be a huge mistake for a lot of teams in the NFL. Oh, 100%. The Indianapolis Colts are one of my top picks to win the Super Bowl this year, and it's especially amazing since they have uh, one of the biggest cap spaces in the yeah, league yeah. so they are they're ready to if they have to sign rentals if they want to sign more guys during the off season they the world is their oyster i mean they are just set they're going to murder their division especially with the inept houston texans as we talked about there i mean i still love deshaun watson but butt chin has shown what an idiot is he even like a year ago he outwardly said he openly said that he wants yes men i mean where do you even start with that? So, of course, he brings in his own guy who lasts less than a year. Yeah. Brian Gain or whatever. Right. Gainey, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Gainey, whatever his name was. Right. And, he, uh, and he's already gone. How do you release a guy that you gave a five-year commitment to? That's I mean, your guy. That's your guy. Uh, less than and a year. And you're going to be paying for him for the next four years. Because Bill you're a bunch Bryan. of idiots. Well, because Bill Bryan admitted he wants yes man right there. That's a huge red flag. You have to fire the guy for sure. And he keeps, he's, he's been in a weak division. He's kept eking his way to division titles and nine and seven records and all this. And it's just been ridiculous. He's not a good coach. He's a jackass. And his chin looks like a vagina still. So screw you, Bill uh, O'Brien. Anyway, but he, he just, he's... It's totally ridiculous that this guy is employed at all. And for him to bring in, just desperately bring in his own guys who just all agree with him and have no accountability at all, and then just fire his guy less than a year and just blame everyone else for his problems. He doesn't even have an O-line for his star uh, quarterback. And it's just, it, it's pathetic. And this is just everything that's wrong with sports right here and sports management. And I would be shocked if Bill O'Brien is still coaching the Houston Texans a year from now. If he's still coaching the Texans a year now, he's still coaching the Texans a year from now. I got these Walmart lips that aren't working too well today. But I'm just wondering, does he have pictures of somebody in the hierarchy of the Texans with a farm animal? Because how many, in this day and age, where production and productivity is is mandatory and showing signs of success are paramount how does this guy keep with the talent that they have on that team how does this guy keep his job in houston i can't understand well i think the houston texans are still figuring out how to recover from the loss of their owner who died right so I, i think that's part of it and so maybe the kids or whoever's taken over are too scared to make a big move, yeah, especially big with especially when you have a strong personality and a bully like Bill O'Brien running things and and surrounding everyone in your all his guys like they're all his guys. You put Sean McVay, who we both acknowledge, or Shanahan, who we both acknowledge as two of the brighter young minds in professional football today. I think if you put McVay or Shanahan in Houston, with the talent that they have, right now. What they have right now on their roster, not making any more additions, not making any more subtractions. I think the Houston Texans 
are a much better football program and a much better football team if they had real leadership in their head coaching position. You have arguably the greatest wide receiver period in the league. You have the arguably the greatest young quarterback in the league, and you have arguably the two best pass rushers in the league. Right? There. Like if you had to come up with something, I mean that. That's about as good as it gets when you come to the foundation of a team. The best wide receiver, one of the best quarterbacks, and the two best pass All rushers the in the league. All positions. Yeah. Like, that's your, that's what you're starting with, and you have nothing? You don't think that an O-line's important? Or, oh, it's just, it's unbelievable what is being wasted down there, especially poor DeAndre Hopkins. I uh, feel sorry being, again, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm from Wisconsin, and I make no bones oh, about yeah. that. And for J.J. Watt, yeah. potentially to spend his whole career in Houston... And not sniff a championship is a waste of his talent and a waste of his career. Because he's done an awful lot for the city of Houston. Oh, yeah. An unbelievable amount for the city of Houston. He's adopted it as his hometown. He's raised money during the floods that what was over a quarter billion dollars or something like that that he raised. And if he doesn't have the chance to at least play in a Super Bowl sometime during his career, which will be a Hall of Fame career. And I know I like to mandate that a guy has a championship. And I, and you know, I know Ryan's calling me a hypocrite and all this other stuff, but I believe J.J. Watt goes into that category with a Dan Marino or a Barry Sanders or the uh, wide receiver from uh, I'm missing him, Dancing with the Stars, the great one, Megatron. What's his first name? Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson. I'm just having a brain fart there. Those guys, yes, Ryan is exactly right. Those guys qualify on their numbers alone, even without a championship. And I think if that happens to J.J. Watt, you have to make an exception for that too because it sure as hell isn't J.J. Watt's fault that the Houston Texans aren't a perennial Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I mean, defensive player of the year three times in your first five seasons. I mean, at some point, you have to give the guy some credit. Look, there. hopefully... I mean, I guess J.J. Watt did look like his career was almost over a while back there. So hopefully he's got a few years left and hopefully there's enough time to get a real change in Houston because that's just absolutely sad to even think about. But uh, we do have breaking news in the NFL uh, from just a few minutes ago. Uh, Josh McCowan has retired. Not a big surprise there. No. Um, yeah. A guy that, that made every took every ounce of anything out of his body and he has a serviceable nfl career he's now got a pension for the rest of his life congratulations to josh mccown class guy never a problem in the in the clubhouse no, no. uh always came in and gave 100 percent. and uh, i congratulate him on a fine nfl career um while we're on the nfl before we get to real quick here and i know you want to give our listeners of Unscripted here in episode number 357 a bit of a taste of Freeform Friday, and I'm all on board with that. But there's one team in that same AFC South division. Boy, there's some screwballs in that division. The Houston Texans come to mind, and this team comes to mind, and that being the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have a question for you. Jackson, The Jaguars have fined linebacker Tevin Smith $88,000 plus for missing a team mandatory minicamp. My question to you is, isn't this the guy who was stepping away to get his life together? And having said that, I believe, and that's what I'm asking for verification from you, did he not inform the team that he was going to do this? And so ultimately, should he be on the hook for almost 90 grand in fines for missing a mandatory minicamp on a season that he said he's already going to miss? How back-ass country fuck 
are they down there in Jacksonville? I love backass country fuck. That's a great saying. I'm I'm going forward. It's going to be harder for me to criticize the Jacksonville Jaguars because uh, I'm well. I mean, although a lot of these movies are probably more Doug Marone and them than the owners, so that can make it easier. But I'm just so grateful to the cons, uh, Shad and his son Tony, for bringing AEW and getting me back into having some really exciting professional wrestling to watch. So I'm very thankful to them. But I have to assume this isn't Shad Khan making no. this move. This is probably Caldwell, the general manager, and and literally full of baloney, Doug Marone, <laughs> right? So. But yes, no, but I, if I'm being honest here, absolutely, this is a classless move here. Tevin Smith, I don't know this for sure, but you have to assume that when you're stepping away for personal issues, you have to assume that part of that is mental health issues, which of course is the hot button topic right now. And so you just ha you can't mess around with this. Uh, uh, and 90 grand for the Jaguars is nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. So you have to not... <laughs> Look at things like this. You have to be classier than this, guys. I mean, you can do better. Tevin Smith gave you weeks or months of notice. I've been on about this for a long time, and there's no excuse for this, guys. This is just a terrible, terrible move, and I hope they change their mind. Part of relationship building, folks, is trust. I believe that. Um, and you have got to trust when a player has some issues that he needs to address for the betterment of his life in the present and moving forward. Here he is being honest and upfront with you, telling the organization that he is taking this year off to get stuff right in his life. If he's a sneaky son of a bitch, that's one thing. And doesn't tell anybody. But he's been honest and upfront about this. And there's got, there's got to be some trust factor here. You're building a long-term relationship with an asset. This guy can play football, guys. And that's an asset for you. Let him get his stuff together. You're not going to pay him this year. You get that part. He understands that. But to fine him, that does not... And I agree with Chris in regard to this is probably not the Khan family call here. But ultimately, the Jacksonville Jaguars are under the responsibility of the Khan family. So maybe it's not the Khan family making the call, but it is his general manager, it is his player personnel director, it is his head coach, and this is a black eye in the National Football League, in my opinion. Yeah, it really is, and there's nothing else to say there. It just, nope. it just shouldn't have happened, and, and this type of thing shouldn't happen. All right, let's... Um, Chris, out of the goodness of his heart... Um, Wants to, there's been, in our absence, there's been a bunch of things that have come to our Twitter account. Uh, hopefully, O.J. Simpson hasn't sent anything to our Twitter account yet, because <laughs> then he's in a verbal war. I can tell you that right now. But uh, Chris will give you folks a preview of what we do on Friday. He goes to our Twitter page at unscriptedmc.com, uh, and um, he goes on there and finds what people are talking about. If he finds something that is worth talking about, we talk about it, bandy about and go to the next topic. Having said all that, I hand the microphone over to the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Flute. Okay, the Mac Life at Mac Life official, Dana White inks new 10-year deal as UFC president. Fantastic. I, you know, I have a personal thing and I won't have to mention it sounds like I'm name dropping here, but I've had my 30 minutes of fun with Dana White. It happened years ago in a Vegas casino. I have the ultimate respect for him and what he's done for this sport. He's made some mistakes. We all make mistakes, folks. But overall, he has put the UFC on the map and made it one of the strongest 
brand names in the sports entertainment business right now. And I'm including sports, the big four. It's all entertainment, folks. I don't care what anybody says. A football game is entertainment. A basketball game is entertainment. A hockey game is entertainment. UFC is entertainment. And because of Dana White and his diligence and learning from his mistakes, he has made the UFC one of the strongest brands right now in all of sports. Yeah, really. And I love Dana White. The only, again, I always say it, the only thing I don't like is that feud with Ariel Helwani. I hate that. Those two used to really have great interviews together. But other than that, I agree with almost anything he's ever done, which I probably agree with Dana White uh, more than almost anybody else. I really agree with what he does the vast majority of the time, and I like him a lot. So, uh, And that would be a that'd be such a unique position because as hard as it is to step into if uh, you, know, you become the commissioner of the NFL or the NHL or something, that's tough. But this is basically almost unprecedented. Nobody else has ever been the, the head of the UFC really in terms of day-to-day decisions and being the face of the company so it'd be it someday when Dana White's gone it's going to be a really weird position for somebody else because it's kind of unprecedented so uh yeah it's definitely the right move you definitely want to keep him there as long as you can and as long as he doesn't go crazy or or uh, do anything silly so anyway um uh the onion at the onion here we go Nike touts new sports bra with the latest in breast crushing technology well, they're sports bras. That's they're what they sports do. bras. That's what they do. That's what they're designed to do. Um, Serena Williams, it doesn't seem to help her much. Um, great tennis player. But most of the female athletes, like that picture I just saw on your... Yeah. yeah, yeah. She could wear a t-shirt and get away with it. Um, she doesn't... Another innovation of sports and nothing, something else for somebody to put a a brand label on and make it their own and make more money. That's what it is. Yeah. The the girls I like, usually a sports broad can't even can't hold them back. Correct. So that's fine. Me too. Okay. Uh, golf Town at Golf Town. A day to go down in history. At just 21 years old, Brooke Henderson has more wins on the LPGA or PGA Tour than any other Canadian. One or ninth PGA or LPGA tournament over the weekend. Congratulations to the young Canadian. Uh, great ambassador for women's golf. And listen, guys, if you want to learn how to swing properly swing a golf club watch miss henderson swing a golf club she is very good and when you hear the things like rotating your hips and rotating your shoulders because that's where your power comes from i'm telling you guys watch her or any number of professional women golfers you don't have to sit there and listen to the commentary and that kind of crap just watch their golf swings and try to replicate it because the tempo is second to none but you can see the rotation. You can see the the uh, the outside for a right-handed golfer. The left knee, you can see it bend, and you can see the arm turn and the shoulder turn and the hip turn, and you can see why these girls hit it as far as they do. And now it's it's harder for me to tell you this in regard to – I've been playing golf for 100 years, but it's easier to watch a woman swing a golf club. Okay, here's the perfect example real quick. If you are a weekend hacker like I am, could you go out and duplicate Brooks Kepka's golf swing? No, you couldn't. First of all, I'm not as big as he is, not as strong as he is. I can't get away with some of the things. But if you're looking to improve your golf swing, watch a professional woman swing a golf club, and that will help your golf game, I'm telling you right now. Well, staying with golf here, <laughs> so scratch at scratch, and that's scratch with a K. The master of the recovery shot has a birthday today. This was yesterday. Would you agree that Phil Mickelson is the master of the recovery shot? 
I think so, but part of that is his own damn doing. Yeah, because he get, because yeah. <laughs> he takes stupid risks off the green or off the tee box and hits driver where with his length, even at forty nine years old, he should be able to get away with a three iron or three wood, excuse me, and find the fairway instead of the ice plant and the bushes and everything else that he found over the weekend at uh, at uh, Pebble Beach. Phil should have been in contention at this golf tournament. I'm not saying he should have won it, but Phil should have been in contention this weekend for two simple facts: a Everybody knows that Phil needs to win one more uh, major championship to complete the career Grand Slam. And the one that he needs to complete the career Grand Slam is the U.S. Open. Go back to February when he won the AT&T Pro-Am, which is played at, oh yeah, Pebble Beach. He won it in February. Why was he so bad this weekend? This would have been a real golden opportunity, I believe, for Phil Mickelson to finally complete that career Grand Slam. And he pissed it all away with a triple bogey on 18 on Saturday, which kicked him out of any hope of winning the tournament. Oh, a triple bogey on 18. That's par five, he, he Par <laughs> 5, 18th at Pebble. He took home eight on Saturday night, and that basically eliminated him from the tournament. That's funny. Uh, you don't have to respond to this, but the onion at the onion. Phil Mickelson reluctantly uses golf uh, golf club kids made for Father's Day present. <laughs> anyway, but uh, so I, I, here's some trivia for you. His I, birthday was this weekend too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, his here's some trivia I heard over the weekend, uh, and I didn't know this. So everyone knows what a birdie is and an eagle is. What do you call? Because they've had a few of these recorded in history. What do you call four under par on a hole? Like if you get a hole in one on a par five, which there have been a few recorded instances of this happening, a hole in one on a par five, what do you call four under on one hole? Freaking amazing. Um, albatross? No, that's, I think that's three that's under. That's three, is it? Yeah. I have no idea then. A condor. Really? A condor is a hole in one on wow. par five. There's no par six holes, are there? No. No, yeah. So a hole in one on par five is a condor. Wow. Four under. Never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I thought that was See, if you get me outside of Green Bay Packer trivia, I'm in trouble. Oh, you're pretty good with golf. But anyway, so uh, with with all the uh, OJ talk of him joining Twitter and the uh, anniversary and everything, I've been watching some old Norm McDonald clips where he was just, yeah, on Weekend Update every week, he just sh- it was just shit on OJ the whole time. I know. I loved was, Norm uh, back then. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> the, so, of course, right after the verdict happened, the quote from Artavana at Artavana here, but uh, lots of places. Uh, and, and I watched this on YouTube recently the other day. Uh, well, it is finally official. Murder is legal in the state of California. <laughs> well, you know, I still, to this day, and, and I'll, the night that the verdict went down, October 5th, 1995, I remember it like it was yesterday. And that was the night that I went out there on my radio show because I wouldn't talk about it because I didn't think it was a sports story. OJ hadn't taken a competitive snap in the National Football League since 1979 when he was a reserve running back for the San Francisco 49ers. So I would always tell people, call G. G Gordon Liddy, call somebody who cares. (laughs) Um, That was the night that I got the death threats because I said on my radio show, the son of a bitch did it. And I still believe that he did it. And, you know, the most amazing thing to this day, and I just saw it again on your screen there, the picture of O.J.'s face in the courtroom in Los Angeles that morning when the verdict came down saying he was not guilty, O.J. almost looked like he was incredulous. Uh O.J. was, O.J., in my mind, as dumb as he is, O.J., in my mind, believed in his heart of hearts that he was going to prison that day for the rest of his life. 
And then when Judge Ito or the 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 uh, not Judge Ito, but the the jury, the lady, the the lead jury, and she read off the verdict, not guilty, a rental James Simpson. Simpson just looked at her like a deer in headlights, like what the fuck just happened? And right then and there is when he should have been bending over to that goddamn dream team of lawyers because Kardashian, Shapiro, and obviously Johnny Cochran were the three guys that O.J. Simpson, any day above ground, O.J. Simpson owes to those three guys. And F. Lee Bailey as well, right? Forgot about Flea. Yeah, forgot about Flea Bailey. F. Lee Bailey, Robert Kardashian, uh, Robert Shapiro, and Johnny Cochran would be on O.J. Simpson's Mount Rushmore for saving his ass. Well, I mean, he's going to be shocked. If he actually reads the mentions and everything in his Twitter, he's going to be shocked. At, I think he's not going to be able to handle the negativity. I'm telling you, like any celebrity, even if they're well-liked in general, uh, it, it's just there's so many trolls, as they call them, and just so many negative people. Like if he can't handle one O.J. imitation yeah. account, yeah. now that's just going to make a million more sprout up, and everyone's just going to just be needling him the whole time. And he's not he's going to go crazy. Like well, he's not going to be able to handle it. You know what? A lot of people like myself believe he should be either underground or in a four by six cell. So whatever he gets on Twitter, good on you. Well, yeah, it's something he's going to go crazy here. But anyway, I know we're getting a bit late here, so that's okay. I, maybe I, maybe he'll call unscripted someday. Oh, and threaten can, us. Can you imagine that call? Whew, that would be that would be something. But I anyway. have never said anything really very good about O.J. Simpson. So if he's listening to Unscripted, my name is Mike. This is Chris, and we hate you. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I know we got a, an official free form Friday yeah. coming up here, but I'll just do. Uh, since we're talking about golf, I've got two more golf ones. That we'll just sure. quickly do, and we'll just finish those off here. So a dead spin at dead spin. Runaway golf cart at Pebble Beach crashes into crowd, hospitalizes two U.S. Open spectators. Why the fuck are there golf carts at the U.S. Open? Um, for the older, the older um, officials the, to get around if they have to. Um, there aren't many of them, but there are always a few, just in case. Every every group goes out with a cart in regard to the officials that are keeping score or if they need something. Every cart that tees off or every group that tees off, they do have a cart uh, available to them should something happen. Okay. All right. And last one, Darren Rovell at Darren Rovell. Patrick Reed was born after Bo Jackson did his best work, but this was a hell of a tribute, and you see him snapping the golf club over his knee. Yeah. And is, is Patrick Reed the one you don't like? Patrick Reed, yeah, I, I don't like that piece of shit. Patrick Reed, to me, is a spoiled brat. His father lives in Augusta. Yeah, that's all oh, I've seen it. His father lives in Augusta. Now, he's estranged from his father, but still, your father, Patrick Reed is on this earth because of his father. And his father is a resident of Augusta, Georgia, and this pile of crap couldn't even get his dad a ticket to watch him the year he won Augusta. Mm. This is also the same piece of crap that went nuts last September at the Ryder Cup in Paris. He threw everybody under the bus. He threw Tiger under the bus. He threw Jim Furyk under the bus for pairing him. And this was the guy that was pleading to play with Tiger Woods before the event started. The problem wasn't Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods had the worst overall record of all 12 members on that Ryder Cup team. The problem was Tiger Woods played with Patrick Reed, who couldn't keep the ball in the fairway. And when he did hit it in the fairway, all he did to do subsequently, he just hit it into another bunker or or uh, into the rough. Patrick Reed was the worst teammate possible at this last U.S. Ryder and when he threw everybody on the team under the bus, I think he has become a pariah on the PGA Tour. Nobody wants to play with him anymore. Nobody wants to have anything to do with old Patrick Reed. It's really a sad because he's a good golfer, but his mouth and his mind got him in trouble. 
We've got to run on this 357th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. More Freeform Friday to come as we've got a bunch of things to catch up on on our Twitter account. So the best way to do it is to talk to you folks while we, 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 we're going to multitask here. We're going to clean up our Twitter account and talk to you folks out there in Unscripted land. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time. Hi. I'm Adam Walker, the host of Real Pink, a podcast from Susan G. Komen. Over the last year, I've had the opportunity to meet so many people affected by breast cancer. I've interviewed thought leaders, celebrities, doctors, and men and women living with breast cancer. Their stories are so inspiring and really informative. We're taking conversations from the doctor's office to the living room. Please join us by looking up Susan G. Komen's Real Pink on your podcast app and subscribe today.